Welcome to the Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are proudly sponsored by Tea Pigs. Nothing quite beats sitting down with your mates to have a good chat over a cuppa. Whether your brew of choice is an English breakfast, an Earl Grey or something herbal, Tea Pigs have got you well and truly covered. My go-to is definitely the lemon and ginger. I love the Earl Grey, but I also love the fancy pants herbal ones they do as well. Ooh. A few of the things we love about tea pigs are that they only use the best quality tea leaves, herbs and spices in their blends. Their tea packaging is all plant-based and plastic-free and they are a proud bee corporation and give back to tea-growing communities in Rwanda through on-pack donations. Pretty awesome, huh? Mm-hmm. So if you've been meaning to give them a try, now is the time, as they are offering you 20% off at tpigs.co.uk with the code GIRLGANG20. Go ahead and treat yourself and you can thank us later. Go on, get yourself a brew. Yep. I'm not sure why I'm doing a northern accent. <laughs> Maybe I should start that again. Uh, hello. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. It's Laura here. We have recorded a podcast with someone who we got on with so well and we were chatting right from the start, so much so that we once again forgot to record an introduction. So this is the introduction. Sorts about that. In this episode, we chatted to Elle Wright from Feathering the Empty Nest and I'm sure she is very well known to a lot of you. And for those of you who haven't heard of her, well, basically, she's baby lost celebrity. It's not something you really want to be famous for. But um, she was one of the trailblazers back in the day. This is our chat with her. Part one of it anyway. Part two will be released on Wednesday. So let's dive straight in. I'm I'm here at your disposal. You can ask me anything you want. I can't <laughs> I can't uh, I can't give advice or um or well I don't know. Just, just ask me whatever you want. We'll see how it goes. Let's just crack on. That's what we do every week. For a while. So this could be. This is gonna like. This is my prep for for all the book stuff I've got to do next. Month. Oh gosh, have you got a lot planned? A, a bump well, in the road. Yeah. So it's all online. Um this time which is going to be very different to how mm. it, how everything happened last time and I think weird because there's definitely something in seeing people face to face and connecting that way that was one of the parts of ask me his name that I really enjoyed after yeah. you know doing the talks at Waterstones doing the I went to Cheltenham I went to the family store in Bruton I went to, kind of did the rounds the Instagram rounds of different places and and met some amazing women and men couples who came to the talks and I was able to really connect with people on that level and I think it will be it will be different do it trying to do that virtually and yeah. doing things just through interview or through um we are doing a uh, a Waterstones online event, um, which G is actually doing like an in convo with me for that. So oh, that that's cool. Be, so when's know, the book being launched? People will turn up to that. Twenty um, <laughs> ninth of April is publication date. Okay, so Brilliant. lots of work leading up to that then. Yeah. So to be honest with you, like the the hard work is done. Um, thankfully I, I wrote the book last year so I, I wrote the book when we were all locked up the first time around mm-hmm. um and to be quite frank it was really good therapy 
to do that. Yeah, because I was a nervous wreck for most of my pregnancy and I really needed a place to write all of that stuff down. Did you write as you were going along? Um, As in, did I write my whole experience as I was going along? No, during your pregnancy or did you wait until she was here? I haven't had any time to write since she... (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. About two minutes. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote one chapter after Olivia was born, um, and that was literally just to kind of finish the book, mm-hmm. to to tell that story of coming through the other side of a really horrific journey, but also mm. a really anxiety-ridden pregnancy. I didn't want to just be like, oh yeah, and pregnancy after loss really sucks, the end. I yeah. wanted to complete that that cycle. Um but it does end at the moment she arrives. Like there isn't any parenting after loss. And that isn't something that I plan on documenting or writing about because I mean parenting generally get so much airtime yeah on blogs in social media in the media the part of parenting that I'm really really interested in giving a voice to is that of bereaved parents or those struggling on a really complicated journey to get there that's the bit that that I've always wanted to talk about and we'll continue yeah. to talk about because as you know having a living child here does not fix all the shit that that happened before no. um and so, yeah, so I did all my writing from kind of March to June last year was when I sent my first um, kind of my final tranche of chapters over to my editor. And it was like, thank you very much. I will speak to you in October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When was Olivia born? She was born at the end of July. So, yeah, she's um, eight months and I was just gone so far. Yeah, yeah yeah and how's it been going because I've I've always said that there's a lot of oh, motherhood after loss is tough because motherhood in general is tough but motherhood after loss you sort of because you've waited so long to experience these things you don't want to ever moan or grumble about what you're going through and or voice the difficulties you're having because you feel like you should be enjoying every single minute and of course you don't enjoy every single minute because kids are tough yeah it's it's exactly that you've just hit the nail on the head if I could (laughs) just say (laughs) and and I suppose I was very fortunate in many respects that a lot of my good friends who I had made in the months after Teddy had died, had gone on to have another baby after a full-term loss or after mm. other complications. And um, I could see what they went through. And I'd, I I knew that it was going to cause its own set, new, fresh set of emotions. Yeah. Um, and there was always going to be that element of feeling, I should feel so lucky. This is what I wanted. This is what I wanted. <laughs> Yeah. At the same time, when you've got a baby that you know won't stop screaming or won't sleep or whatever it is on that day, you feel like every other parent feels. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. You know. Sorry, I told you I was swearing. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, you know, you have those moments, and I, I think that's obviously been magnified because of the the situation that we are all in at the moment, whereby mm-hmm. which 
you can't see anyone and you mm. you can do is go for a walk more often than not in the pissing rain <laughs> then, you, know, you come back to the house and it's like okay well we've got this many hours till bedtime <laughs> oh god just, you know it is literally groundhog day and yeah and there was a long period of time where we weren't in a support bubble with anyone for different reasons and um and so I think I found November really difficult because I was on my own my husband was back at work after his three weeks paternity leave so mm. you know it was it and he works insane hours so it's 15 hours a day on my own with a baby in the house and you're locked up and you can't see anyone yeah all that normal stuff of all oh, do you want to come in for a coffee or do you no there is none of that either you can't do that and so yeah it's comes with obviously the the normal anxiety of parenting after loss where I'm consistently checking her breathing yeah <laughs> I'm like a nutter yeah, yeah. Um, but, that, but then there's also I guess with every single milestone you reach with Olivia, you're thinking, we should have had this. We should have yeah. This, yeah, yeah. We should have had this with Teddy and with that, the other babies, and this isn't fair. It does. And I think um that for me was after she was born and I kind of had a couple of weeks with her, and there were all those moments of oh, okay, this is what we missed out on. This is what we missed yeah. out on last time. Because we never we spent those three days in hospital with Teddy, we never brought him home. And so sorry. That's um, okay. It's just a reminder of that grief, isn't it? It brings it all back up again. And I think it's it it just brings straight into a really clear view everything that you missed out on and you kind yeah. of knew you kind of you know you knew but because I was a first-time parent with Teddy I didn't have any older children so I I I didn't know what all of those things felt like or looked like or mm. you know how that experience went and so then when Livy was here and we got to do them it's then like oh okay that that makes it even worse (laughs) you know in many respects and so that's quite tough I think it took me probably a good few months to let that feeling settle and just learn to sit with it um but also just allow that nine months of anxiety to just unravel and, oh yeah you know because it, it that that those emotions that you've kept like that because you're so desperate that you want to bring this baby into the world they have to go somewhere right so that mm. when the baby's here safely that's when you're like and it all comes tumbling out and um yeah that was quite anxious time it's such a huge because you've got the your hormones are all over the place as well and you've got this little baby and you're not getting much sleep and you're confronted but it's a very different thing I think knowing something and seeing something and living something and obviously you knew what you missed out with Teddy yeah seeing that with Olivia then you have all your emotions that as you said your your grief of the almost the grief of the, the pregnancy type stuff yeah and then the tiredness and the hormones and everything. I mean, it's just such a lot for a person to deal with, isn't it? Yeah. It's a potent cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Like, and not a good one. <laughs> no. And then, team, with that, the fact that you had no one to, to physically be yeah. there and say, look, I'm going to take Libby, you go and have, have, get some sleep. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the, the pandemic is, is, must have added a whole new kind of pressure to your 
it to did and it kind of one thing that I I anticipated that it was going to be tough um and so in the months before Olivia was born I um connected with a friend who I had met through going to yoga classes for years and I'd always known she was a doula but I didn't know that she specialized in postnatal doulaing is doulaing a word <laughs> we'll say it doulish <laughs> I like that um and so I kind of had a chat with her and I was like look I'm anticipating that when the dust settles and I'm at home on my own I don't know how I'm going to cope because I don't know what that's going to feel like to finally have a baby here mm. will you help me <laughs> essentially and she was wonderful and she was already a friend and so there was nobody who I would have rather had come in and look after us in those sort of early weeks so she started um looking after us literally the week my husband went back to work so we had three weeks with him he went back to work and then she was coming in twice a week for like three hours um and it was it was basically to help with anything that I felt overwhelmed with and I would recommend a postnatal doula to anyone let alone somebody who is parenting after loss I think I basically the way I um sort of justified it to myself of how I could afford to do that for myself for the I think it was maybe six or eight weeks we had Sam um was all of those years that we were trying to have a baby and I threw so much money at Mm. every bloody alternative therapy (laughs) 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 everything I was like yeah acupuncture no problem Chinese herbs let's give it a whirl you know (laughs) And I thought I haven't spent any money this year because I've been locked up in the house. Like this is what this is the thing that I'm doing for myself, for my mental and emotional well-being, to just allow somebody to look after us and help us out a bit. And yeah, it it, I can't tell you the difference that it made because that those were the weeks when I felt really, really anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Must have been nice to have the company. Just have a like a chat that was when it was like not illegal to have someone in your house. Oh, okay <laughs> so um so, disclaimer yeah. <laughs> disclaimer no no uh, it was, no laws were that. broken here guys no <laughs> laws stand down every let police stand down on tv it's like just to let you know that all covid guidelines would be a yeah. <laughs> yeah just to let everyone know who's listening <laughs> but yeah Olivia was born at the end of july and then sam came to us from the last week of August and then she finished up some point in October and then obviously everything changed and yeah yeah but it was good timing in that respect I suppose yeah yeah let's talk about uh, your writing mm-hmm. your first book obviously was a bestseller and what made you start writing that was it did you always know it was going to be cathartic or was it something that started as a blog and then you just went on and 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 it was amazing it was never my intention to write a book. Um, I I began writing in Instagram posts about Teddy 
on my own personal Instagram after he died in 2016. Um, And that was when I started to connect with women like Michelle from the other chair, um, who was writing as Dear Orla at the time, because her daughter Orla had been stillborn two weeks before Teddy had died. Um, And we came across each other thanks to the Instagram algorithm and connected and then she said oh there are these other girls who are also experiencing similar uh there's a whatsapp chat do you want in yes um and then I I was watching all of them writing and blogging and fundraising and doing all these amazing things and Teddy had only been born three months ago so I wasn't really in the headspace to do anything like that 2016 rumbled on and I found myself pregnant again and um, that pregnancy ended in the early part of 2017. I had to have a termination for medical reasons Um, Mm. and I was only eight months since I'd lost Teddy. Um, Oh my gosh. It was probably I would say a low point um (laughs) (laughs) I I just didn't I I didn't know what to do I felt like the unluckiest person on the planet yeah Yeah, I'm sure I just couldn't understand why I was like what is the universe playing some sort of cruel trick on me and um and that was probably the first or second week of January and I had been doing, like I say, posts on Instagram about Teddy and and what had happened, but I, I didn't mention that pregnancy or or what happened there because, for one, I think there's a huge amount of stigma and shame attached to termination for medical reasons, which there shouldn't be. No. Um, but even more so then, I know it's only four years ago, but yeah, more so, yeah. yeah, a lot has changed online definitely in the time mm. of writing. Um, and so I thought, you know what? there must be somebody else out there who's as unlucky as me um gets laptop out let's start a blog um so I just yeah asked a few of the other girls like uh, how do you use WordPress and (laughs) as I said I'm not tech savvy at all and yeah later that month I started my little feather in the empty nest my little corner of the internet which was really just based around how I'd been using our home which was always a massive project for us to stop myself from going completely batshit crazy in a year that tested me beyond my limits and um so I kind of my blogs were peppered with stuff I was doing in the house projects and whatnot and also stuff about Teddy and stuff about loss and Mm -hmm. I just kind of mashed it together in a well if he was here I'd talk about him so I'm gonna talk about him not being here and how that's yeah. how you feel. Yeah. And at the time, there wasn't, there weren't really many people writing about loss at yeah. all. Um, one of the first people I followed, and I think you've already had her on the podcast, is Jessica Zucker. And she had, yes. um, I had a miscarriage and that was the easiest follow I've ever done. Um, yeah. Because I was that's like, okay, somebody's, somebody's talking about loss. Brilliant. Um, but, other than Michelle and the other girls, there was not really anybody talking about stillbirth or neonatal death. And mm. I just felt like if I could write some stuff down, write some feelings down, then maybe it would help 
somebody else who you know because I had been that mad woman who was googling well Elle it helped me because I tell you when I first came onto Instagram you were one of the first people that I followed one of my friends she's not been through pregnancy loss or anything like that she was following you for the house stuff but she was like you must go and follow this lady she's lovely and she's lost a baby and she's talking openly about it so I was like oh okay I'll go check her out and um, at the time like you say there was hardly anyone else talking about baby loss at all yeah Um, and that was it and that was kind of what spurred me on and then I guess I was writing for about six months of that year and then I um I was lucky enough to write guest blogs for a couple of different blogs at the time that were much bigger than what I was doing um I literally still have my mum and like my friends following me and that (laughs) that was it you know crucial followers though (laughs) yeah um, I have to say that in case my mum listens to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and then I got uh, it kind of started to to pick up a little bit, and um, I thought well, this is this is good because people it shows that pe- I was worried that people were scared of this subject, but obviously not. Mm. Um, and then I was contacted by a literary agent, um, Lauren, who is now a very very good friend of mine because we've been working together for years, and. Um, she said, do you want to write a book? I think there's a book in this. And I said, absolutely no way. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to write a book. Um, and she said, oh, just come for coffee with me. We'll meet in London, come for coffee and we'll just talk about it. So I spoke to my mum and said, mum, what do you think of this? And she said, I, I don't see why you wouldn't do that. You wanted to write all this stuff down and you wanted other people to, to feel less alone. So why wouldn't you want to turn that into a book? Yeah. Because a blog is great, but a book is a tangible thing and it will be forever. Yeah. And as soon as she said that, I was like, shit, she's always right. (laughs) And so I went to meet with Lauren and that was in the July. And by the end of September, we'd submitted sample chapters to potential publishers. And Mm. by Christmas, I had a book deal and... By the following September, it got published. So it just, when I said to you guys earlier, like, this was never my intention, it snowballed. Mm. I really, I really mean it snowballed. Yeah. I carry on writing and carry on using, now using my platform to share other people's stories because that for me is, is a huge privilege and an honor to be able to do that. And I think yeah. it's so important once you've been able to create a platform where you have a voice and a, and an audience listening to say, right, does anyone else have anything to say (laughs) like and because because that you know that's what it's all about right and that's what this community is about as women and men you know saying okay this this is my experience but my experience doesn't speak for everybody so yeah what happened to you tell me what happened to you because Mm -hmm. you might help somebody else who's been exactly it's an incredible thing to be a part of as well isn't it because we have so much feedback saying oh thank you for saying what I could never put into words Mm -hmm. and I think people feel when you have the balls to say like put your cock on the block this is an expression I use a lot and that's my favorite Uh, when you when you raise your head above the parapet when you are brave enough to say all this stuff it is incredible the power that that gives other people and I never I never realized that it would give other people like it would make other f- people feel empowered to share their own stories. Yeah. I just thought 
I just want to make one person feel less alone just through this shitty, shitty time. I want to say, hey, do you know what? It happened to me as well. It's fucking shit. And, you know, if you want to chat, I'm here. But there's so many people just say, oh, reading your story made me feel so much more confident in telling mine. And that is just such a special thing to be able to give to someone. And to think that you've given that to like thousands of women Mm. must be an incredible feeling for you. I never really thought of it like that, but yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. I'm done. Yeah, I guess it, it is that thing is is every time you read a message from somebody and um I had a really good example actually a few weeks ago I opened my emails and um it was an email from a lady who's I I recognised her email straight away. Um, and I thought I've, I've spoken to you before and she said hi Elle um, further to our emails exchanged in 2019 after you wrote your blog about um, you know I, I think I, after I'd had a, a mis- miscarriage after IVF I'd gone back and I'd asked for another hysteroscopy and um, I'd ended up having some scarring removed from my uterus and then then when our next IVF ended how it ended with overstimulation I fell pregnant with Olivia naturally um and this lady had emailed me at the time and said thank you so much because I've been experiencing recurrent miscarriage and they keep saying there's there's nothing wrong but I because of your blog I went back and I asked for hysteroscopy with somebody else and um they found that I had Ashman syndrome and I've had scarring removed from my uterus the email that she'd sent me a few weeks ago was a picture of her baby daughter. Oh, oh that's so... Literally, like, opens email, cries eyes yeah. out. Because yeah. I was, this is why when shit happens to us, if we write it down, we don't know who's reading that and yeah. going, yeah. hang on a minute, I'm going to go and ask for that. Or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say how that made me feel to the next the next time somebody says something wildly inappropriate yeah. to me about my loss. And it just it's when I get those emails that all people say you know you've given me the confidence to talk about my child more openly in front of my family and friends or you've given me the confidence to do a fundraising thing that I never thought I could do and it yeah that's what makes you go yeah cool I'm gonna carry on because it like it, I said, ha- it does stuff it makes a difference in people's yeah. lives makes a and not just a little difference you know it makes a huge difference it can be a real turn what we've found in the last we haven't even been doing this a year but what we found is that it does make a real turning point for some people and they think gosh and it's, li- it's life-changing for some yeah, people like that lady who emailed you she wouldn't have had the baby if she hadn't have had the hysteroscopy and had the scarring removed like that's magic to be able to do that for someone oh my god that's like a like sliding doors thing isn't it like if you read my blog that day totally the whole thing with fertility and loss is that it's all it's so hard to get answers and to know what to ask and to know who to go and see it's the the information isn't there for you it's not it's not offered With with the NHS you get to a point where you can't go any further with the NHS so they say that's it that's all we can do for you or just keep trying or whatever it may be but what they don't say is if you went to this private clinic you could have these tests done yeah 
and it's only through um personally if I hadn't have spoken to people on Facebook groups I would never have got the tests that I needed to be able to have my little boy so it's so important that we share our experiences totally we need to we're doing it girls smashing the taboo opening Ooh. up the dialogue that's my favorite phrase <laughs> Uh, yeah and I think I think that it's it's definitely evolving I've seen such a huge change in what conversations have started and how they're continued even in the four 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 or so years that I've yeah. been writing and you know it's it's gone from feeling a little bit sometimes like you were standing in a room on your own sort of shouting like guys and now like the room's really crowded and Mm. everyone's sort of like yeah do you know what I mean and Mm. and like you guys have put it perfectly the worst girl gang ever it's it's suddenly become this this big community community Mm. of not just loss but like trying to conceive and loss and IVF like everything's sort of thrown in and everyone's really supportive of each other and you know it's made a it's made a huge difference to me and my outlook and my ability to continue on that road in recent years because there are Mm. definitely times where I would have just thrown this out and gone no Mm. fuck this not anymore but you know you see other women and you think hey that makes me feel hopeful yeah and I'm not at the end of the road because there's this and there's that. And you learn to advocate for yourself in those medical situations where you totally. need to. Yeah. I think there's a certain, like certainly the feeling I get is that people are more confident to own their own stories now and, and just not shy away from them and say, this is me, this is what happened. Yeah. And to openly share something, I think is a really, really empowering thing. And to own that story and to make it part of your life instead of this shit thing happened to me is is actually quite a powerful thing to be able to do. Definitely. And I think um, when when you've been through something that is so life-altering mm. in, in many respects, it kind of switches your view of most things on its yeah. axis and you just think hey well that doesn't really matter anymore and that doesn't really matter anymore and, and it's really empowering you kind mm. of feel a bit invincible in many respects because you're like okay well all that stuff that used to bother me before like you know what people might think of me or what people would say about me or you, you know all those things that normally niggle away at us suddenly you just don't give a flying fuck anymore. <laughs> yeah, basically because actually when it when it really comes down to it that doesn't matter it doesn't matter no. at all and the only thing that that matters is when you think about stuff like that is the the, the opinions of, of people who you love and respect and mm, yeah love you back and I think that's where and you know and you know when you're talking about something like this if you've got their backing and their saying go for it go for it you should you should do that because it will make a change then it makes you want to do it even more and yeah you become part of this amazing community and I've I've never found anything other than the community online massively supportive Mm. and yeah that's a really lovely feeling I think when you're going through a shit time yeah yeah definitely we've not had much if any negativity have we no, no, there was one troll. Do you remember? Right back at the beginning when when we first started, 
that that woman who said that we should keep it to ourselves and she was like in a in a slutty schoolgirl's outfit with her legs akimbo <laughs> yeah do you remember responding to her i did i got yourself the internet really gathers a wild crowd doesn't it (laughs) and i think yeah (laughs) it's one of those things where you kind of have to take stuff like that with a pinch of salt and just be Mm. like you're probably not the person i'm talking to yeah yeah Um, and actually you know there will sometimes be people like that who just wade into other people's page to cause trouble cause trouble, say something really offensive and walk out in it. The way yeah. I see it is it's like walking into somebody's house and saying, I don't <laughs> like your sofa and I don't like how you've decorated that wall and I think it's shit. And then just walking out again and being like, yeah. okay, well, that's I okay. I didn't know you've got to live here. Yeah, I don't invite oh. you. You don't have to live here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I think people like that as well, It's um, it says more about them than it does about you, obviously. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And yeah, I think um, definitely the, the positives of of writing and sharing and Laura as you'll know from having written a book that the cathartic element of of writing everything down that you've been mm. through, just getting it out there it's so therapeutic isn't it I mean it Bex you wrote your article for the metro like when you were in hospital didn't you yeah I had to tone it down a bit <laughs> <laughs> because you do I just found myself writing every every everything and it was very much like a therapy at the time. And then I remember sending it to my mum and and she said, oh, my gosh, you know, she could feel the emotion. And then she said, you should do something with it, but you need to kind of work on it first and <laughs> take out all the swear words. It's a bit so Larry. Boring. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's um, it, I, I've always found writing incredibly cathartic and it's such a good way of reaching other people. And also because... I think not everyone can write or can find the right words for things by by giving them something to read and resonate with that helps them feel like they've got it out as well. Yeah, yeah. and I think, I mean, I couldn't write the, what you've just described. I, there's no way I could do that, write something when I was in the middle of going through it. That's like my... Really? I, I don't have that ability at all. And I write about everything retrospectively. Like, I can't... I found writing while I was going through pregnancy after loss because the book was never supposed to be about pregnancy after loss. It was just supposed to be about the journey of secondary infertility and loss. Mm. Um, And then when my editor contacted me to talk about writing another book, I said, oh, by the way, I'm almost 20 weeks pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so she said, oh, okay, well, that's, we can do the whole, the whole journey then and and add those. And I agreed. And then I realised when I was writing those chapters that I found it really hard, really, really hard. It was the hardest thing I'd ever written because everything I've ever written previously was retrospective. And and whenever I'd gone through something in IVF or another loss and I'd chosen to write about it on the blog, I'd always waited a time period, a couple of months. Well, yeah, I guess that you've got an outcome then, haven't you? Whereas you're writing about pregnancy after loss, hoping but not knowing if it's all going to end well. So, yeah, so those chapters are probably the most raw, even though there's some really shit stuff that's happened before. I would say from from heightened emotional perspective, those mm. chapters are probably... 
hormones as well. Quite nervy, I would say. Mm. I found when I was doing the final edits in in February because I hadn't um, read anything back since I'd written it last year. My mum handled the first round of edits for me because I was quite literally holding the baby. Um, Mm. So she my mum should have been a teacher she's like queen of the red pen um and so I knew I could trust her because she'd helped me on edits and on book one and um so when I read those back at the beginning of February I was like wow this this was really that was really hard you know when you Mm. read stuff back or you think about stuff back that you've been through and you think I can't believe I went through that feels like what an experience it's mad isn't it yeah how did I survive that Yeah. I thought exactly the same and I've said it before like I just would read it back sobbing thinking yeah. how did how did that really happen was it really that bad because you look back now and 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 I think oh that it was nothing it's all it's all right now but god it was horrendous mm. yeah isn't it you read it back and you go oh that's I remember doing this with Ask Me His Name. I didn't do I didn't do the the audio record until a year later because essentially we were waiting for Audible to to want to turn it into an audio book. And a book obviously has to do well before someone goes, Yeah, all right, first time author, you can do an audio mm, book. Yeah. Um and I read that was the first time I'd read it back since Did you stop? If I download this audiobook, am I going to hear like, oh, man? <laughs> so whenever I started letting the emotion in, um, there are probably times where you can hear my voice cracking. But if you start yeah. to cry, the um, producer on the other side of the glass just goes, well, we'll do that line again. <laughs> and you're like, give me a minute. <laughs> I'm fine. Um, but yeah. Well, yeah. that's show business, isn't it? <laughs> I was reading the lines and I, I was saying exactly as always just said, I was like, oh, this sounds really shit. This is awful, you know. And then I was yeah. like, shit, that was me. That yeah. was me. Yeah. You know, and it, it just, yeah, it's like a weird outer body experience that, like you say, you can't quite believe that you lived through such a shit show and, and feeling that scared and alone and in the dark mm. if that makes sense you I have mean, been through an awful lot yeah you have there was a weird time in which in the middle of this somewhere I kind of felt like I was on my way to completing a baby loss bingo yeah <laughs> I'm like boom 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah check done that um and it you know I can laugh about it because I think if you don't laugh you would just all the time but yeah there was a point where I was like okay this is taking the piss now um and you know I know from the hundreds of emails thousands of emails I've received over the last four years that sadly I'm not alone in having those shared experiences of having experienced a you know wide varying range of loss experience as one person um yeah it happens to a lot of women a yeah. lot of the time and it, yeah it's awful did you after you wrote um ask me his name did you know did your or your your agent or your publisher or whoever did they have any concept of how popular the book would be no so it was a total and how long into it after it was published were you did you get the call going um yeah this is kind of a big deal so it published on the thursday and 
you do like you get like half week sales so I got a call on the Monday or Tuesday and um we'd gone down to Cornwall because obviously the build up to the book I'd been really like oh my god I feel sick I can't believe I've just written down the innermost working of, of my mind all of my thoughts and emotions and people are actually going to read it and I was like, my mum was like out like, there yeah. point in a book um yeah <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you know it's how they work <laughs> Captain Obvious over there anyway so we went down to Cornwall and uh, it was like the Monday or the Tuesday and I got a call from Lauren and she said oh I've got some really good news and I was like, okay she said um she's made it onto the Sunday Times bestseller list <laughs> I was like, in like just a few days I was like no sound came out I would just remember standing there I know where I was in the house in corner I was just looking out of the seat my husband was out on a run so I was on my own taking this call and she had no one in the world to tell what had just happened and uh, (laughs) looking around and um I just had tears streaming down my face and the reason I was crying was not because of the Sunday Times bestseller list not because of where it was not because of any of that I didn't care about how many books had been sold what I cared about was that it showed me that there was an enough interest in that topic and that had been my biggest fear when I started writing and that was why so many publishers that the, the the sample chapters were sent to weren't willing to take a risk on the topic and that was the feedback that came back to us when we submitted was I really don't think that this is a book that many people will want to read. I really oh. don't think there's an audience in this. I really don't think that, you know, peppering that kind of story with as much humour and swearing is really how people want to read about it. It probably needs to be made a bit sadder. Oh, I look at them now. Look <laughs> at them now. Some <laughs> died. It couldn't get any sadder. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so, you, you know, if you're not going to let your personality shine through in what you're writing, what is the, what, yeah. what is the point? Yeah. To tell everyone how shit it is, we know how shit it is. In a our book world. without a swear word, it's not worth it, is oh, it? I can't want to be reading, Laura. No. <laughs> so anyway, so that was that was really what made me so emotional was the fact that you know my publishers took, as far as they were concerned, a really big risk on me as a first-time author and the subject matter, and people did want to read about it. They did want mm. to know what that story looked like and what that might have felt like and even if it wasn't something that they'd experienced themselves they wanted to come as close to the glass as they could to Mm. look through and try and gauge an understanding of what that might feel like so they might be able to support a friend who went through something exactly like that and that for me was the biggest achievement Mm. what did your husband say when he came back from this run and you told him by the way darling (laughs) fucking hell hell that was literally his first word and I was like yeah I know So that's the end of part one of this interview interview why do I always call it an interview interview chat whatever part two will be going live on Wednesday so don't forget to tune in Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week.